It's Lights Camera Jackson. Welcome to the LCJ Q&A podcast. You can also read these interviews at animationscoop.com. This new series on Peacock has a lot of things I love. Comedy, stop motion animation, and it's about interviewing. It's called In the Know, and all six episodes debut Thursday, January 25th on Peacock. Joining me is the show's creator, EP, showrunner, and star. You know him from The Office in Silicon Valley. It's Zach Woods. Hey, Zach, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's so nice to meet you. Congratulations on this show. Uh, I know stop motion animation is one of the hardest forms of the medium to to work with and pull off, and you do with a, a really funny show. So congratulations. Thank you. That's nice of you to say. And in addition to The Office, which you got two SAG Awards nominations for, along with Silicon Valley, you've done a lot of voice work. Uh, Lego Ninjago movie, Angry Birds movie 2, The Simpsons as well. What do you love so much about animation? Interesting. You know, I think my relationship to animation changed a lot with this because the thing that can sometimes be daunting, my favorite thing with animation is when you're in a room with other people who are acting with you. The kind of mode of animation where you're put in a little uh, isolation chamber and you're just hearing your own voice through the headphones and you're recording stuff. I've always found that to be like very, very difficult because you're not reacting to another actor. So it feels like you have only your own self-conscious kind of uh litany in your head to keep you company but i uh whenever i've done stuff where you can improvise live with people in the room um i've always liked that so for this even though it was animated we we made sure for the first recordings that it was the whole cast together in studio we all got together some people came out from new york um so that we could actually get some sort of a feeling of each uh, of each other's company so it felt like people who care about each other or at least have a working familiarity with each other. And I like that a lot. I like um, doing voiceover in a booth where you can look at the other person. Yeah, there are a lot of strong characters on this show. It's got an office setting, but also the radio setting. It's about a, a show on NPR and you voice the host of that show. So how was it sort of diving into that NPR world? There is a style, there is a rhythm to it. And have you always been really interested in it? Yeah. I was raised on NPR. I basically like I whenever I hear the all things considered theme, um, it makes me think of the smell of cucumbers from my house when my mom or my dad would be chopping up like salads and the and NPR would be on. Um, I wish it had required more uh, character work, but sadly, I am a stone's throw away from Lauren Caspian in terms of my own disposition, cultural reference points and and uh, moral hypocrisy. So I would say that like, it wasn't that I didn't have to like, you know, when people go and live with cops for like three months to play a cop, it's like, I've been living with a uh, NPR archetype for uh, 39 years, unfortunately. And um, uh, uh, me. And, uh, but the one thing that I do think is funny about NPR is their kind of bizarro cadence. Like one thing we talked about doing as a promotional thing which we just got dropped but it was like an npr like tiktok or instagram filter where it just like makes your like the top of your head enormous and like uh like sort of softens your chin and then gives you the like random pregnant pauses at points in what you're saying like just inserts weird pauses because it's so funny like the like the weird vocal affectations and the kind of gentle i i don't know it I remember hearing this thing once I, that that Chuck Yeager, the pilot, 
had would talk in this kind of like gravelly low voice way and had a little bit of a southern twang and that's why now whenever you get on an airplane uh the pilots like oh, we'll be cruising at thirty-five thousand feet that they're all it's just this kind of imitation of an imitation of an imitation of chuck yeager and i i don't know if it was like ira glass or someone but like someone set that template and then like so many people have borrowed it the kind of self-conscious idiosyncrasies so i thought that was kind of funny yeah, yeah. I like the, the tone in your voice with that performance as Lauren. And Lauren often likes to interject his own comments, his own feelings, his own thoughts, even goes in random directions and hopes that the celebrity guest that you have on is interested in what he's going to say next. <laughs> I do think there's something funny to me about someone who is a professional interviewer is mostly interested in being listened to. Um, I used to listen to... Uh, it was called Here's the Thing. It was an Alec Baldwin podcast uh, where he would interview people. And sometimes in the middle of Here's the Thing episodes, he would become so excited by the exchange they were having that he would kind of cut the guest off to finish their sentence. And it was always funny to me where I'm like, you have the most fascinating person on, but you're so hyped up on the on the uh, repartee that you like then cut them off. And I don't now don't, don't get to hear what they were going to what they were going to say. And uh, I just always thought that was, that was sort of funny. Um, I also think for Lauren, we've talked about it, like for him, interviews are like a jam session or a tantric love session or a scrumptious banquet. It's like where his like sensuality expresses itself, I think. And he really always feels like him and the guest have this, you know, otherworldly connection. Um, and he, I think he's probably not tuned into them enough to know that the, they are usually at best confused and at worst full on alienated. What's fascinating about these interviews when you watch in the know, starting the 25th on Peacock <laughs> is they are the real people. Like I'm talking to you right now over zoom. I see you. They are not stop motion animated characters. You have Hugh Laurie and Ken Burns and Nora Jones and Mike Tyson on the other line per se you're seeing them so what was the decision behind that and and how it all came together well we wanted to do real interviews so those interviews are all real like they're not obviously we did the stop motion after the fact but the interviews themselves are improvised we're just talking to those people as i'm just they're seeing a picture of lauren on their screen and i'm seeing them and then i'm playing lauren into the microphone and just like asking them questions lauren would ask i am naturally just Gen generally curious about people. So I like asking questions. I, I often like when people ask, oh, what would you do if you couldn't be an actor or director or whatever? I, I'm, I often say like, I would like Terry Gross's job because it just seems like such a fun thing to be able to just find people you're fascinated by and then spend time asking them the questions that you want to ask them. So it's part like kind of wish fulfillment for me. And part, I think we just thought it would be funny to see, um, real people react to this strange, effete kind of NPR guy. And the other thing I think is that, like, I know from doing press as an actor that often if you're like at a junket or something, you just get so rote with your answers. You just say the same thing again and again and again, right. and you, you kind of put yourself into a coma. But with, with this, we thought, well, if it's this weirdo NPR host, he will knock these people off of their script that they're probably very eager to be knocked off of because it's so boring to hear yourself say the same thing 900 times. And that will get sort of a weird window into who they are by virtue of the fact that they're being interviewed by this like puckish little freak. 
Yeah, that's so great that they're real conversations. I was wondering about that and it felt that way and that they were surprised, but they, they really go along with it. Jonathan Van Ness as well. Oh, he's so funny. Who surprised you the most with how deep it got? Mike Tyson talks about loss and it's like, whoa, we are Dude. here. Oh my God. Well, first of all, I want to make one caveat, which is Jorge Masvidal. I want to give him his props because that part is that's the only interview that we scripted when he's doing the pre-interview with Fabian, um, because that's like a little kind of story between the two of them. So we wanted right. to have this one story that was scripted. That one scripted. The rest of them are all improvised. Mike Tyson. I've I've been fascinated with Mike Tyson for as long as I can remember. And Mike Tyson yeah, was so profound and and kind of shattering. At one point, I asked him a question because I just couldn't help it. I, 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 it wasn't really a funny question or even a Lauren question. I just said, like, do you ever feel protective of the little boy version of yourself that had to go through all of this tr trials and tribulations that you had to go through? And he goes, no. He's like, you know, uh, I took the punches so my children don't have to. He goes, he, he goes, he had to, that little boy had to walk through the fire. He had to be burnt. And then he and I was just like, that's such a heavy, intense, poetic thing to say. And then when he's opining on loss, it's just like, he's talking about how loss, you know, loss is a part of love. It's the, in a way, it's the greatest part where, you know, life is about loss and we lose our hair, we lose our friends, we lose our um, ability to function and then we die. And, it, you know, but it, that sounds very morbid, but he sort of frames it in a way that somehow is sort of sadly uplifting all at the same. Anyway, Mike, Mike Tyson blew my mind. Yeah, it's fascinating. Just one of the many fascinating angles of In the Know. It's on January 25th on Peacock. Zach Woods is here with me on the LCJ Q&A podcast. Of course, as an animation fan, you know, looking at the set, looking at the design, how big are the sets? How did you design the radio recording studio and the booth and all of that? Because it looks great. I We worked with Shadow Machine, which is this uh, stop motion. I mean, they also do 2D, but they, they the people we were working with was were based out of Oregon. And they're the ones who did the Guillermo del Toro Pinocchio. And they've mm -hmm. been working on that for, I don't know, like a gazillion years. And then I think they were just like happy to roll off of that onto something where there's like foreskin replacement jokes and like it's not just like heartbreak and beauty right. and you know like there's they could be like dumb uh, uh, as well and uh they uh were so unbelievably uh astonishingly talented mm -hmm. the production designer was a guy named rob desu and they just made an environment because it was kind of a small budget show. So we couldn't go to a lot of locations. So we needed a location, a macro location that didn't feel claustrophobic, where you didn't just feel like, oh, my God, get me out of here. And Rob designed this thing where each little sort of mini space in the larger office had so much character and specificity. And it felt NPR-ish, but it also felt kind of inviting. And then uh, uh, our DP, Michelle, uh, he change the light he he had this incredibly elaborate chart where he would track where the light was for every shot of every day even though we were shooting all the episodes at the same time so the light changes over the course of the day yeah i just thought the design was spectacular we would tell them sort of in vague you know artsy fartsy ways what we were looking for and then they would execute on it in in a in a way that surpassed our wildest imaginings yeah, it's really cool. Joining you on this journey is animation legend Mike Judge, co-creator, also voices Sandy, 
hilarious movie reviews. My other life has been as a film critic for 18 years and hearing reviews of Palm Springs and Boyhood and other commentary, just hysterical. Oh, thanks. Mike's so funny. That was actually based on a character that Mike did. Like I just looked on his Instagram and there was this kind of pretentious movie guy who would just kept talking about film, film. And so we, we adapted the character from that. Um, yeah, Mike was sort of the godfather to the whole thing. I, and he he does something in his satire that I think is so important, which it never feels like he's punching down and it never feels like he thinks he's better than the people who he's making fun of. He somehow manages to make ruthless fun of people without it feeling sanctimonious or superior or bullying. It just feels like the sort of tacit assumption is we're all assholes. So let's like laugh at the ways in which we're all assholes you know and i and that we're not just assholes we're also lovable and you know surprising and sweet but we're also assholes <laughs> yeah it's a it's a very funny character um i have to ask you because you were on the office and because this is set in an office in the setting did it bring you back to those vibes of being on that iconic nbc sitcom did it give you the fond memories, uh, anything like that? Or did you want to really create new ones with these new characters and new vibes of, of what office conversations are like? It's funny you say that. I mean, I think coming on to the office late in late seasons as a new hire who hadn't really had no experience with television, it was fascinating to see the workplace the dynamics and the in the actual cast of the office. I was such a fan of the show. So then to be there and to see how all the actors and the DP and the crew all interacted and the kind of like well-worn rapport and kind of the kind of easy warmth and love. And even if there were moments where there was some stressor or something, the way people handled that, I think that was a place that felt very inviting and warm. And I think for this show, we wanted, even though the characters often just behave in despicable ways, we wanted the underlying feeling among them to be a warm one, even though they act out all the time. So I think that's something that felt similar. Interesting. Yeah. So what do you hope NPR says, <laughs> feels, reacts to in the know? I hope that we really go in on Terry Gross. Like Lauren is very jealous of Terry Gross and so trashes her very elaborately. And I really hope Terry Gross and uh, Lauren Caspian have a lifelong feud and that she, <laughs> that she hits back twice as hard. You know, it's a kind of like you take one of ours, we take 10 of yours thing and that there's an escalating kind of uh, NPR war, a soft spoken NPR war between Terry Gross and Lauren Caspian. Whoa. Yeah, so I hope we I hope we hear this show being talked about. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. That would be cool. Me man. too. Me yeah. Too. Well, congratulations on In the Know, all six episodes, Thursday, January 25th on Peacock. Zach Woods, it is such a unique show. It is so fun and it is so cool for, for this to be a new entry in the animation space. And I thank you so much for being here today on the LCJ Q&A. Thank you for having me. You're a class act. Thank you. Oh, I appreciate that. I am Lights Cameron Jackson for all these episodes. Go to Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and lights-camera-jackson.com. Read these interviews at animationscoop.com. Thank you for listening to the LCJ Q&A.